Here we go, rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, both out in the East Coast, but not in the same place. No. Two plugged in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life. We will have a going ISO edition like we do every Thursday, a long form interview with all sorts of folks who have touched the NBA. If you want to go back and listen to Danny Shays, Phil Hubbard, who told a story about World Be Free, the time that World Be Free changed his name and he came to practice to tell everybody, <laughs> don't call me Lloyd anymore. You're going to call me World Be Free. And that was his story of ultimate confidence. Among others, Kevin Willis, Sean Marion, Earl Watson. Go back and listen to these stories, and then you can be the first one to tell your friends when you're undoubtedly getting together these days on FaceTime and Zoom and Google Hangout and saying, did you hear this story or you got to hear this story? You'll be the one bringing something extra to whatever video conferencing hangout you're having these days. Coming up, we'll get into what Adam has found at his childhood home that he won't tell me beforehand. He's just going to be able to pop it up and reveal at some point during this podcast. I don't know when, as you're listening, you don't know when, mm -hmm. but I'm looking forward to that. We're going to get into what we're looking ahead to next year in the 2021-2022 season what we want to see from front offices, what we want to see from stars in the NBA. And the reason right now you haven't heard Adam's voice is we're on video conference and his son Hudson is running around like a maniac behind him. And there is a whole patrol of people trying to get Hudson corralled as if he's a horse and they're trying to get him into a barn. And Adam is laughing and he's on mute. So I'm just continuing to talk until Adam goes off mute and Hudson is sedated. Barn doors closed. <laughs> Barn doors closed. <laughs> wow. Which, by the way, is always the case. I know everybody's dealing with this. It's funny how we all pretend as though we, we've got things figured out in our, in our lives, in our worlds. But with four kids running around acting wild, you can hold them off in spurts. But sometimes they're just going to interfere with your, with your day to day. <laughs> <laughs> so that may the be the most fun intro I've ever uh, been a part of. We're already going to look ahead to next year, and that's what we like to do is get ahead of the conversations. Mm -hmm. We were the ones that told you that this year, this season, there would not be a 60-win team for the first time since 2001. We didn't tell you that it was going to be because <laughs> we're going to have a pandemic and things are going to shut down and then... There are only going to be eight games left in the regular season, so we won't have a full 82. But we did tell you that there wouldn't be a 60-win team for the first time since 2001. Also, we told you that the Spurs, that their playoff run would end. And the Spurs did not make the playoffs for the first time in 23 years. So if you want to get ahead of the curve, enjoy this conversation. Adam, Daryl Morey's out as GM in Houston. What do you want to see with that in mind from front offices and what should fans of certain teams expect from front offices? Okay, so I broke this down, Noah. First of all, I think what makes a great front office, and I've, I've, been, I've long said that this league is being run now by elite front offices. So whether it's Sam Presti in OKC, 
R.C. Buford in San Antonio, Bob Myers in Golden State. Obviously, now we're seeing what Rob Palenka has done in L.A. Rich Paul, really, but let's let's call it Rob Palenka. Um, yeah, I said it. Um, but but you go through. Um, did I mention Danny Ainge in Boston? Obviously, the the elite Masai Ujiri, the elite GMs and executives seem to just always make the right moves, get them out of bad cap situations. They're terrific in the draft. And so I broke it down into multiple categories. So I think the best front offices have stability, vision, clear identity, cohesion, consistency, and understanding of personnel, not just their own, but around the league, and then the ability to develop talent. And then you have to ask yourself, what stage is your team as a fan, I think? And it starts there. Are you in the basement? Are you a middle-of-the-road team? Or are you a contender? And I went back, Noah, and I looked. In the last decade, there have only been five teams in the West who have played in the NBA Finals. Lakers, Warriors, Spurs, OKC, and the Mavs. And in the East, there's only been three teams, the Heat, the Raptors, and the Cavs. Now, obviously, LeBron had a lot to do with just few teams being in there. But all that being said, every single one of them, except the Lakers this year, one of their top players was acquired through the draft. So we think about the draft, first of all, as, yeah, if you're a top number one pick, you're not going to be good, right? Your team's not going to be good for years, maybe not ever, what have you. But really, you have to be good throughout the draft. You, you have to make sure you hit on a lottery pick, on a top 15, top 20 guy. you got to get somebody who stands out, whether it's a Pascal Siakam or what have you. So staying on that, and that's because to give yourself cap flexibility, when you can have a player who becomes your – number three or number four guy on a rookie contract that allows you to have the cap flexibility in order to get stars. Exactly. And so whether it's Siakam, whether it's a Fred Van Vliet, I mean, undrafted guys are, are critical and run this. And it's the same deal there as you, as you point out, because regardless, those rookie contracts are so favorable to you. So I just, I, I'm just, Looking around, and that's the thing I think about from from fans on the whole, Noah, is just this idea that you're going to – we think about it as one draft move that uh, an executive makes. But I think about all the times when the executives make the tough decisions. I think about Danny Ainge, for one, and he's got an Avery Bradley who's due to make big money, and he gets rid of him the year before his contract is up. Not the best player on his team. But a key piece, one of the best defensive players in the league, awesome on the perimeter, um, contributes offensively, but defensively really changes things. And you know what? Makes a move because he's not going to pay him in the future. And that's the type of vision that you have to have, personnel understanding. So it's a combination of all those things. And I mentioned cohesion. And what I mean by that, you think about the Spurs organization. Everyone thinks about you know when they had Duncan and Ginobili and Tony Parker. But I also think about the idea that everything they do is through this idea of you're going to do it the Spurs way, the heat. We're going to do it the heat way. And so whether that's how you work out in the summers, whether that's their medical staff, and that cost them Kawhi Leonard, but just in general, you need to see those things. And I think about the other teams that we think about as contenders, teams like the Sixers. You, you know, Houston's had success in the playoffs, but the Clippers. And I just find there to be just sort of a lack of overall vision at times and also just roster construction and whether that's mistakes in the draft or whether that's bad contract moves or what have you 
but the same executives seem to make the same mistakes and the same executives seem to make the right moves as well. Yeah, culture just doesn't happen overnight. And you can say certain things. You can use all the words that you mentioned about what makes a great organization. So some team could say all of that, but then not act on it. Just like players can say, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, and then not do it. It's talking the talk and walking the walk. Now, Houston, I give a lot of credit to Daryl Morey because this team in the Western Conference was the Golden State Warriors' biggest competitor for years. And they've got the longest current playoff streak in the league at eight. And they went to the Western Conference Finals back in 2015. And they went to the Western Conference Finals again in 2018. And they had chances to get to the NBA Finals. And for all sorts of reasons, they came up short. But there was a clear vision and identity of this team. Tillman Fertitta and ownership, that, is, that speaks to another level of a front office, that you need ownership, a general manager, and a head coach to be on the same page. And a star player then will get on that same page. But you need ownership, the front office, and the head coach to be on the same page. You cannot have a front office who drafts for one thing and a coach who coaches for another thing, or an owner who wants this right away but the pieces aren't there, nor is the, nor the financial resources to be able to make that happen right away. So there are so few teams that where everybody is on the same page, and those are the teams that win. Absolutely. And, and you would think, as the casual fan, oh, well, okay, well, they must get along, but they probably have small disagreements. But then think about it, No, We interviewed Chad Ford a little while back, and Chad Ford said they're – GMs and head coaches that aren't on speaking terms. I mean, you talk about right. this lack of cohesion throughout the league. We know when it works and it feels like that is the perfect symbiotic relationship. You, you have a Bob Meyer, Steve Kerr in Golden State. They always are aligned and on the same page. It doesn't mean they make every agreement the same way. They, they don't always agree on personnel decisions, draft decisions, what have you. But there has to be trust all the way through the organization. R.C. Buford and Greg Popovich are so aligned. I mean, obviously, it goes back to their ties, you know, as, as coaches at, at Kansas as assistant mm-hmm. coaches. And, and then, you know, early on with, with the Spurs as coaches. But, but it, it, it needs to be this group where you are together and aligned in such a way in which there's no disagreement. And, and I think you bring up a great point. If that happens, there's no way for the star player then to have his own demands and start leaking things. The team's not going to leak things to the media about some type of disconnect. And you can have disagreements, but you can, but you have to have them in a civil manner and be understanding and willing to acknowledge other opinions. So not everybody's always going to agree with each other, but they're going to respect each other and enough in order to have conversations that can lead to a greater level of success. It's interesting because you're talking about a situation in which head coach now gone, Mike D'Antoni. You got uh, Daryl Morey now gone. And you look, you mentioned the success. 2015, lost in the Western Conference Finals. 2016, lost in the first round, but that was also to the Warriors. Mm-hmm. 2017, lost Western Conference semis to the Spurs. 2018, Western Conference Finals to the Warriors. 2019 Western Conference semis to the 
to the Warriors. And then, of course, it was the bubble season this season. So it's incredible when you really think about the amount of success. So few teams have that kind of success. But when you're going up against one of the greatest teams of all time in the Warriors, and you have some big-time letdowns in the playoffs, even to the Warriors, like, regardless, that's not going to be good enough for the uh, for ownership, apparently. And, and that's where it changes me. But we say this all the time, Adam, that if you're only judging, yes, the ultimate goal is to always win a title. But if you're if it is so binary like that, whether it's win a title, success, don't win a title, failure, right. then I don't know how you go about your life in general. That, that makes it really difficult to live life. If championship success, anything but is an absolute is an absolute fav- failure. It's just it's not realistic to go about life that way. But I don't think Daryl Morey did himself any favors with, with his tweets about, uh, if we play this series this many times, or yeah. the, he didn't do himself any favors in the, in the court of public opinion. What do we want to see from a star in 2021? I know what we're going to see from rockauto.com in 2021, the same mm-hmm. consistency that we've seen online for 20 years. RockAuto.com is the place to go to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. We've told you about Adam's car back in the Bay Area. It's a dud. And he got sold a false bill of goods by our buddy Mike Gam. Yeah, thanks, Jim. He's the one to blame. But Adam can go to RockAuto.com as he has to just navigate everything on the site and get all the parts he's going to need so he doesn't have to go through the dealership where he's going to be paying twice as much because prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low for the same for the professionals and the do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D space on, L-O-C-K-E-D space on, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. One person who does not need built go is Hudson because I can hear him back there, and he's he's just always he's just always caffeinated. And that, but, but at three, that's that's the natural high, the natural kind high. Of, of the day. Kind of, he sees a he, little above the natural. He is ready. He's ready to go. Yeah, But for some of us, we need that extra bit of a boost to work out. So why not get the caffeine and the protein all together in order to get that boost? And that's what the Built Go packets are all about. Ounce and a half packages. You can throw them in your golf bag. You can throw them into your tennis bag. You can just take it before you work out. And they've got peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint and it's got that collagen protein they've been hearing a lot more about recently not just the whey protein but the collagen protein that's supposed to be good for your skin good for your hair everything else and it's so fast absorbing that it gets right into my system and it doesn't give me an upset stomach and it gives me the energy to get after it on with that little kick of caffeine if you visit BuiltGo.com and you use, or use that promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, you'll get 20% off your next order. So it's LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, for 20% off your next order at BuiltGo.com. Let's go.
Adam, what I want from a star in 2021 mm -hmm. will take place not too far from where I live, and it's at the Barclays Center, and it's from two stars in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Now, it's going to be almost 20 months that KD has played a basketball game. Kevin Durant last played Game 5, series was tied at 2, Game 5 of the finals against Toronto, and he played 12 minutes, and he went 3 for 3 on threes, and he looked great, and then he got hurt. Kyrie played 20 games last year. The last time he played five straight games is when he opened up the season last year, 11 straight games. And opening up the season last year is about a year ago, October 29th through November 14th. And then he was in and out, mostly out. And he last played a game on the back end of a back-to-back. -back. The previous night, he dropped 54 against Chicago. And then it was February 1st, 2020 against Washington when we last saw Kyrie play. So I want to see those two on the floor making it work with Steve Nash. I don't want to hear about next year. We told you last year that as soon as Kyrie started to hear about next year, that it's about next year, that he was going to be checked out. And that turned out mm -hmm. to be true. So it is about right now with a first-year head coach in, in Steve Nash, and it is about right now with the Brooklyn Nets. That's a great call. That's a great call. Yes, absolutely. And I, I, you know, had the categories for what I think fans should want or what we should expect from a really great front office executive or front office team. So my four things from a, a star player, talent, loyalty, passion, and health. What is, what, where does, what does loyalty mean to you here? Loyalty means that you do not allow the whispers to grow too much so that you can add to your team's stability as time goes on. Because I think such a critical point is team star players now have so much control. And that's a great thing. I think you and I are both in favor of, of players, and not even star players, even, even good players have now control about their own destiny, where they want to play. I love the idea, the, the free agency rules that we have in place. Even forced trades, like if, if you want out of a bad situation, you know, and the front office is willing to, to allow that to happen, great. I'm, I'm, I'm all for, for most of those situations. Like whatever is going to make you happy as a player, okay, I'm, a, I'm all right with. But the only thing I would say is, if you are going to show some loyalty to an organization, you then play a role in the organization long term. You can then have a say, because if you convince a team and an organization and the media, the local media, national media, that you're going to be around for a while, that's going to draw other players coming to come play with you. You know, And you look at the situation, you and I have both been frustrated over this Giannis situation in Milwaukee. Because Giannis hasn't come out and said, he hasn't given private interviews. There aren't secret quotes about Giannis claiming that he wants to be elsewhere. And he, to me, has shown loyalty and talks about, and this is another part, Noah, which isn't necessarily organizational, but talks about how much he enjoys the city and how much he enjoys playing in Milwaukee. And I think that goes a long way towards loyalty, too. I, I, agree, I agree with all of it. And it goes back to even the front office of, 
everybody being on the same page. As much as the league thrives on drama, I've been saying it for years, that there is a tipping point where the attention is taken too much off of what is happening on the court and being paid to what is going on on social media and off the court. Yes, there is. The league isn't the league sells entertainment, but they want that entertainment to be taking place on the court, but they don't want to rein in their personalities. But there is a time when the drama gets to be too much and the attention comes too far away from what is going on on the court. Coming up, Adam told me that he's been going through some things at his parents' house. And he said, I found some gems. All right, buddy, what do you got? You've talked oftentimes about you, you end up at like your your family's house. You go scrounging for stuff and you can find some interesting things, you know, in the drawers. I know you, you've talked to me off the record about some of your love notes from ex-girlfriends and all that kind of stuff. Well, look, I. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, so first I found. So I spent a semester in L.A. right when I was in college. And okay. while I was out there, picked up some interesting gems that were, were fascinating. And I went looking, what could I find that I still had around here? And as I was looking in one of the closets, found this, an original script says A Boy's Life by Melissa Matheson, right? Shooting script for 1981. So you're like, all right, I never heard of that movie. A Boy's Life working title for E.T. Get out of here. Yeah. It's pretty fascinating. So somehow I ended up with this original script. I, I, uh, when I was in LA, you know, you have some connections, people work in movie studios, you know, they get access to a closet, what have you, you know, you end up with a a script. So um, (laughs) that's how I have it. And online, apparently this thing, I've looked it up. Like you can sell for like five grand, I think something like that. So I have this a Boy's Life by Melissa wow. Matheson. Maybe we start a new podcast where we just do a read of whatever the original script from, from E.T. was. Just you and I go back and forth. All right. So so that's one. So that's awesome, that's awesome. right? And you're like, that's great. Hey, hold on. Did really you know, cool. Did you know you had it there? It was somewhere? I knew I had a few scripts. Interestingly, I knew I had a few scripts. And one of them, which I can't find, is actually original script um, from uh, Goodwill Hunting. Which my baby daughter Skylar is named after the character Skyla in Goodwill Hunting, oh, and I yeah, I, I absolutely love that movie. So the original Matt Damon, uh, Ben Affleck script that they had written, of course, got tweaked later. Um, the script was interesting early on. It's like Robin Williams' character is looking for a book deal. I mean, there's a bunch of other things that that end up getting tweaked and, and moved around. Um, there's also actually, and and I cannot find that script. Uh, and I don't know if I have this version, but apparently in the script, the original one they sent around, I don't know if you ever knew this about, about Goodwill Hunting, but the story goes that their original script w- was like in demand when they put it out there. And a bunch of execs and movie studios had read at least the first few pages of it and started talking to Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and said how much they loved it and how they wanted to sign them. And they, the, the story goes, they had a meeting with Harvey Weinstein of all people. And Harvey Weinstein, though, says, hey, I really love the script, but I got to ask you guys, you have this graphic sex scene on page 57. Like, that seems to come out of nowhere between two of the main characters. Like, what is going on? Like, it was way over the top. 
and they go, oh, we just put that in there to see if anybody would read yeah, it. Heard that, yes. So, but I cannot find the script. So I, I, to verify whether that's in the one that I have. Now, the other one, the other gem that I found, and I thought you of all people would appreciate. So that I went to LA actually, because it was, I went to Ithaca college and we had a, this satellite campus, this program that you would go for a semester and study in LA and intern locally. So I was supposed to go spring of my junior year. But I did not go spring of my junior year because I got in trouble on campus my sophomore year. And that pushed back me going till fall of my senior year. And you might say, well, what did you get in trouble for? We had what was called during finals week, we would do this thing called midnight screams, which everyone would open up their windows and scream at midnight, just let off some steam. It, it, while I was there, it evolved to being just this massive party sort of on campus where people are running around you know, on, on some of the light poles and in boxer shorts. And and this is, by the way, wintertime in Ithaca, New York. I mean, it is freezing cold. So a couple of geniuses and I got the idea that we were going to streak across the quad, Noah. Uh, keep in mind, this is... Am I, am, I, am I required to say, we're going streaking? <laughs> Basically. And keep in mind, this is, no, this is late 90s too. So um a different time right you, i don't know that that would be wise nowadays but but late 90s you could you could pull this off so anyhow what do you, mean? you could pull this off you got in trouble you didn't pull it off well and here's why here's why so there was this giant quad this 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 big field this this huge quad uh, on the one part of campus and we were in a dorm called lion hall and we snuck behind another dorm and i'm with three other guys and and a girl and all of us were going to just go streaking across the quad where there were hundreds of people. And the plan was we had a getaway car on the other side of the quad. Everything was set up for us. And just as we're about to disrobe, <clears throat> as soon as we're about to do it, we're behind a building. So no one's there. Cops come, security guards come, and they start yelling, hey, guys, what are you doing? And as they said it, it I had started, like we had literally just started I had like tearaway pants, you know, as a, as a basketball player at the time, you had to be ready. I had tearaway pants, tearaway pants come off. So then I take off, but in the other direction, because I'm worried about the cops thinking the other people are going to also take off and it'd be hard for the cops to catch us all as we scattered. Well, no one else ran Noah. So I go streaking in the wrong direction where no one could see except the cops. So what I found my other gem that I wanted to show you, is the um, is the accusatory instrument the people of the state of New York versus Adam Stanko defendant for when I was caught streaking, and I have actually the oral statements from when the uh, officer caught me and what I said back to him when they got tackled by like three different three different police officers ran. Now I slipped like three times in the mud. I just want to point that out. So that's the and only reason naked. they caught me. Yes. From the pants down, I had a t-shirt on that I, that I did not get a chance oh, to good. take I'm off. No and by the, the way, this was on December 18th, 1996, but December 18th in Ithaca, New York, naked from, from pants down. This is freezing cold on the ground. Um, officer question said defendant in regards to if he was wearing any clothing. Said defendant stated no. Officer questioned, said defendant. Keep in mind, these guys have me on the ground at this point. 
Officer questioned said defendant in regards to what his intentions this evening. Said defendant stated, it's midnight scream, and I was just trying to have fun by trying to run across campus naked. Officer questioned said defendant in regards to his knowledge of the illegality of his actions. Said defendant stated, yes, I know it's illegal, but it's only fun. <laughs> Officer questioned said defendant in regards to where he committed the violation of disorderly conduct. Said defendant stated, yes, outside the lower quad area. An officer question said defendant in regards to why he continued to run away from police officer after being commanded to stop said defendant stated, I was embarrassed to stop. Um, no, the second part of the story though, I get pulled into, so now I get pulled into this police car. Um, they at least, you still don't have pants on. They at least let me put, I think my boxers on, right? I, I think, let me put my boxers on. I get to the back of the I get to the to the back of the uh, police car. They handcuff me, put me in the back of the police car. And now I'm in the police car, but now we're on the other side of this dorm. So now the quad is filled, remember, with hundreds of people. It's like having a huge field party in a way. And the cops are just sitting there. And I'm like, "Why aren't we going anywhere? What are we waiting for?" He's like, "Because I'm sure we'll catch someone else." And I'm thinking to myself, "Well, there's no way they're going to catch somebody in our group after I just got caught." And Chris Brown starts making his way through the crowd. Six, five, I think Brownie is. Six, five, running, buck naked, except has a Burger King crown on his head. You know, the giveaway ones that go. (laughs) He goes through the crowd and the cops go, no, I told you, we got another one. And I'm like, I can't believe this. He also gets all the glory of this so here we go cops just say okay great swing the car around pick up brownie i'll never forget this by that time the getaway car was long gone because you know we got delayed in in our uh uh, pursuit so they grab brownie it was the easiest guy ever to catch after streaking he's like looking for the getaway car we just pull up like get in you know so he gets in the car he's got no shirt on they let him put his pants on He's got no shirt on and I'm just humiliated. I'm covered in mud. He's I'm looking at him like, can't believe we both got caught and he got all he, Now everyone's going to remember him as the guy who goes, but we both get caught on our way to the police station. Brownie turns to me and whispers, Hey, you're going to have to take my crown off. Cause we're both handcuffed. He goes, they're never going to take me seriously in there. If I'm wearing this thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's so I had to bite the Burger King crown off of his head before as though they were gonna take us seriously otherwise. Oh, I got a got a misdemeanor while I was while I was oh, in college. Man. So I thought you'd appreciate that gem and that in that story, Noah, from my past. So I was a different guy then. That was that They're was never four gonna kids take ago. me seriously. <laughs> as if the president was walking in. Reminds me <laughs> kind of the time I got in an elevator with my roommate Elliot. We were seniors, and uh, some of his stuff had, t- had gotten stolen out of his room. And I'm going to keep this short. And we found that we tracked everything on uh, on eBay, and we found it. And but before that happened, we ended up getting the guys. But before that happened, we wanted Elliot wanted to see if it was the guys directly across from us across the fire escape. But we had to go into another building, so we get in the elevator. Right. And Elliot, I see, has a pocket knife in his hand. 
And I was like, what are you, what are you going to do with a pocket knife? He goes, well, in case those are the, the guys that took the stuff. I said, oh, really? you're going to stack them? <laughs> <laughs> really? And he just like kind of looked at me like, uh, yeah, you're probably not. <laughs> <laughs> what's Elliot right, doing know. now? Wait, what's Elliot doing now? You got you to at least uh, PR executive. And by the way, I think Brownie is a teacher. Parting. <laughs> Such great wisdom on the youth. Adam's on Twitter at NaismithLives. I'm at Noah Koslov, C-O-S-L-O-V. On Instagram, without nudes, at rejecting underscore the underscore <laughs> screen. Go back and listen to previous episodes of the Going ISO edition of Rejecting the Screen. Like I said to you at the top, you'll be the one bringing something to these conversations and gatherings, virtual gatherings that you're having with your friends. Just great stories from players that they all know if they're basketball fans. And they'll say, oh, dude, great story. And then you can promote another one to them and another one to them and another one to them. And feel free to share the podcast as well. It does really help if you go on Apple Podcasts and you click the five stars and leave a review. And the review can be anything. It can be about Adam's idiocy. Be anything. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Everything else on the Locked On Podcast Network. Chad Ford's NBA Big Board is back with the draft coming up. We'll do some draft stuff as well since Adam's been around the draft for years and analyzing college prospects or NBA prospects in college. Locked On NBA five days a week. Locked On Fantasy Hoops with Josh Floyd and your team every single day, all 30 teams every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best.